We're going to read tonight out of two different books, out of Leviticus, chapter number 16, and then out of St. Luke, chapter number 9. We've got a lot to pray for tonight. Uh, Sister Deanna has been texting me the last uh, day and a half. Uh, Brother Nathan's stepdad. Uh, as of yesterday, they didn't think he was going to make it. Uh, just in really bad shape, and had him on a uh, had him on life support, but his lungs weren't. They didn't think his lungs were working, and they were supposed to take him off, I think, sometime today. I don't know what time. I haven't heard anything. They were supposed to take him off sometime today to see if he was going to be able to make it on his own. He, I think he either had a stroke or heart attack or something. They think his brain went a little while without oxygen before they got to him, so uh, they were going to see if he's going to be able to make it. But uh, the uh, prognosis... Outlook wasn't good, so I've been praying for him and told uh, her that I'd be praying for the family as well. So uh, we continue to remember uh, Brother Nathan in our prayers, his uh, his mom and her husband, that God would uh, would touch and intervene. And then also, uh, I think the Henleys have been out uh, sick. I think everybody's tested, and no, none of it's COVID. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to get sick anymore without being tested for COVID, but none of it's COVID. Uh, Kim's got the crud, and uh, just several people's got it. And uh, they're all at home trying to get better, so we're, we're just praying for them. If you're watching at home and uh, been sick and needing to get better, then know that we're praying for you, praying for God's touch uh, of healing upon your heart and life. Amen. Leviticus chapter number 16. Just going to read one verse, verse number 21. We'll go from there to Luke 9 and 62. Leviticus 16, verse 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgression and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And then in Luke 9 and 62, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Amen. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Now in Leviticus, in our text, the scapegoat, as he was called, when the heir and the high priest would lay his hands upon the head of that goat, and, and he would confess all the known sins of Israel. People would come on the Day of Atonement, and they would bring their offering and their sacrifice personally, and they would confess their sins before that high priest, and then 
after everybody had done that, he would lay his hands upon the head of this goat and confess all the sins. Man, how would you like that? How would you like for me to air all your dirty laundry out before everybody else? Sin. It's, it's not a pretty thing. But it's not supposed to be. That would be one of the things that led people not to sin was knowing that every year he's got to publicly confess all the sins of Israel over the head of that goat. And then they, the Bible said a man appointed, a fit man, would take that goat on a leash way, way out into the wilderness to a place so far away that he would be discouraged from ever wanting to make the journey back. That's the type of God casting our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. And then in Luke 9 and 62, in this context, every verse around it was talking about following Christ. And he said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. And there you have the two common words there, a fit man and those that are fit for the kingdom. I want to preach on this thought, how far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you, Lord, that you'll speak to our heart through your word and by your spirit. God, anoint our ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church tonight. Deal with our heart. God is clay in the hands of a potter. Conform me and mold me and shape me into your image and likeness. Make me more like you than I've ever been in my life. My heart's desire is truly to be like Jesus. No greater prayer, no higher calling than I could ask than to be like him. I pray, God, that you would let that work be accomplished in us. God, whether it's saving the sinner, healing the sick, filling the believer, oh, God, or just doing a deep, and a lasting work in us, drawing us closer and nearer than we've been before. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. God, for what you do in this altar, I praise you in advance. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. How far are you willing to go? Webster's Dictionary says of the, of the word fit, that it means suitable, convenient, meet or becoming the idea of a fit man and the idea of fitness brings with it conditioning discipline pain bearing toughness to be suited for the task or I guess more a more common saying in our generation would be to be in shape amen to be in shape or to be in condition for the task that's at hand. Yeah. A fit man was a man suitable for the task being given him. Yeah, right. You wouldn't ask a man that was short of breath to go on a, a mountain hike with you. Right. He, he's not fit right. for, that, for that task. And in studying for the, for the message tonight, I'm just doing a little research and found that the fitness industry 
in America raked in $27 billion. That's with people wanting to be fit. How about that? <laughs> I'm in that figure somewhere. About, you're going to laugh at this one, about 18% of the ones who pay their money to be fit, about 18% on average of those who belong to a fitness center or purchase fitness products actually attend or use those on a regular basis. Meaning they love the idea, the concept, the thought of being fit, but they lack the discipline to be fit in their life. This fit man that we read about in the book of Leviticus, the Bible doesn't say anything about him other than that he had to leave the scapegoat out into the wilderness. There was two goats in the story. I only read one verse of scripture for sake of time, but upon one goat, Aaron would lay his hands and confess the sins of the people, and then he would sacrifice that goat upon the altar and sprinkle his blood over the altar. And that speak, the, the blood speaks of the atoning power of God to cover our sin. We are covered by the blood. And then you would take the other goats and he would pray and confess the sin of the people. And that goat was to be taken away. I want to tell you something about Jesus. Not only did he come to cover or to forgive your sin. You know, if I were to, I don't know, if I were to spill, you know, uh, something on Brother Corey's dress shirt, if I was to knock something over and it's spill on it, and I said, oh, man, my bad, I'm sorry. He'd say, no problem, I forgive you. Well, that's good. I'm forgiven. But it don't deal with the stain. You get what I'm saying? I'm forgiven, but the stain's still there. And if that's all salvation did, which in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the sprinkling of a heifer to the purifying of the flesh, the Bible said, all the things that were in the ritual of blood sacrifice could not take away That's sin. Right. That's right. Because every year, that same lamb, that same bullet, those same two goats were brought back and you were made to remember, I am still a sinner and I'm back for more forgiveness. Those sins were always brought to your remembrance. You had to always live with the sin and the guilt and the shame that sin brought upon you. But the blood of Jesus, don't just forgive, but the blood of Jesus, what the other goat did, he took the sin away. So if I made the stain on Brother Corey's shirt, he gave me forgiveness for it. I'm forgiven but I still, every time he wears that shirt, the church has got to 
big old ugly stain on it. Every time I would see him, I'd say, my bad, Brother Cole. My bad. I feel awful about that. Because the stain's still there. But Jesus not only forgives us, he takes away the stain that sin left. And so I got his forgiveness and I had the ability to wash the stain out and the next time he wore the shirt, it's not there. It's just like it never happened. It's just like it never happened. So when you're born again, not only does the blood cover you, forgive you, but Jesus' blood also removes sin from you so that it ain't there and it's like it never happened. You don't have to live the rest of your life with the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation that your sin heaped upon you. Amen. There were, there were uh, this fit man had to be in good enough condition to carry this goat that was called the scapegoat or the escape goat. That goat was allowed to escape death. There was one goat that died and the scapegoat, he lived to carry the sins away. And so he had to be in good enough condition to carry this scapegoat far enough away that it was thought never to be able to come back on its own. Or at least far enough away as to discourage the goat from attempting to make a comeback. But you see, when you get born again, God intends to cast your sin away from you as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered against you anymore. He don't want that ever coming back and being a part of your life ever again. There were very few men, that is, who were willing to go far enough to discourage that goat from returning. So the job of the fit man, everybody didn't just throw their hand up and say, me, 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 I want to go. I'll, I'll, I'll. They had to go through the barren wilderness. Some of them had to, had, had to cross rivers, had to climb mountain ranges. They had to get so far away, traverse through so much junk as when that goat looked back and said, man, I ain't going all the way back through that again. I, I, I'll just stay here. And that's the idea, is that when we look back on our past, that we say to the Lord, you've delivered me from that. I ain't ever going, I ain't ever going there again. I'm never going back to that life ever again. And that's our part in the matter. We, in one sense, are to be the fit man. That is, willing to confess sin and also to forsake sin. To carry it so far from our life and forsake it altogether for it never to return. Yes. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Yes. Amen. I, I prayed with more people than I can count over the last 20 years around this altar, and they're not here tonight. They're not in church. They came just like we're here tonight. They heard a message that pricked their heart. They were convicted of their sin, and they came down to this altar, 
And they asked the Lord, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. They cried real tears and their heart was really broken and their prayer was really sincere, but they would never come back again. And it bothered me, it perplexed me. So bad to the point, there was a one Sunday where a husband and wife, that was the grandma, grandpa, son and daughter, son and daughter-in-law, and then they had two or three kids. The whole family come down. I mean, they were all weeping, crying, sobbing, begging God to forgive them, begging God to after church. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have been looking for a church like that. We have found a home. We're going to be back. And I thought, yeah. Man, a whole family got, got saved. From the grandparents all the way down to the grandchildren, the whole family. I was, I was pumped. Well, they didn't come back midweek, and they didn't come back the next week, and they didn't come back, and they didn't come back, and I was dumped. <laughs> I said, Lord, I don't understand. What, when I got saved, I fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to be in church all the time. Yeah. And I must still be saved because I still want to be in church all the time. And I, I just didn't understand. And so I, I took it, I took it to, to the Lord in sincere prayer. And I was in earnest prayer. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me understand. I, I, I know those people felt what I felt, and I know they weren't faking. Those were real tears. I, I, I just don't know what happened. He said, repentance is not just asking for forgiveness. Repentance is also allowing God to change your heart and life. Adam, when he sinned in that garden, needed more than just forgiveness. He needed to be changed. Because now that he had sinned, he became a sinner. He was fallen man. Therefore, just the blood sacrifice of the Old Testament couldn't make a new creature out of him. Christ had to come. Because you needed more than forgiveness. You needed a change in your heart, in your nature. You had to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. The man's born again. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. There, there has to be, Lord, forgive me. And not only that, uh, Lord, uh, I want you to change me. I don't want to go back to be the same man that I've always been. I don't want to love what I've always loved. Uh, and I want you to put a love in my heart uh, for what I've never loved before in my life. At what length should we go? Talking about the fit man. At what length should we go to discourage sin from ever being a part of our life again? Does he have to cross the entire desert? Does he have to climb over the jagged rough cliffs of a mountain? Does he have to cross through the treacherous walk of a valley? The, the Bible really doesn't say. But this, this land was called a, 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 a land where no life was a a barren place, no man's land. He, he, he had to go to great lengths. Uh, the last thing the fit man wanted to do was to carry that goat out there and three days later, everybody be in town say, huh, look at there. There's that goat right back. 
Everybody looks over at the so-called fit man and says, how far did you go? Two blocks? I mean, what would you do? Just carry him around the corner? You knew he was going to come back. He's going to come back to the same place where he's been getting fed for the last year. He had to carry him a long way. And God said to me, how far are we willing to go to make Christ the Lord of our life? How far are we willing to go to make sure that that sin never is a part of our life again? To destroy the effects of it in our lives to the point that we detest it and the very thought of it. And God spoke something to me that really shook me. And he said, most people really don't hate sin. I'm talking about Christian people, right? We know that sinners don't hate sin because that's their life. That's their lifestyle. But God said to me, most people, Christians included, most people really don't hate sin. And he said to me, they would do it. They would sin if they thought they could get away with it. If they thought they could go to heaven and still live a sinful lifestyle, then they would just keep on sinning. And I said, wait a minute, Lord, there are whole churches and denominations that live that way. And the Lord said, that fit man had to carry that goat so far as to discourage it from ever coming back and being a part of their life again. And he said, every man that put his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit. You know, I'm plowing the road and I look back. You know what I'm saying to myself, to that whatever's pulling the plow, to mama back home fixing the meal. I, I plowed about long enough. I've gone about as far as I'm willing to go. I think that's good enough. I'm ready to stop. I'm ready to quit. Some people go so far with the Lord. Well, that's about good enough right there. I've gone just about far enough. And the Lord said, how far is far enough? I want to tell you how far is far enough. All the way. All the way. The Lord don't want sin ever to be named among any of you ever again. Not any sin. He don't want you lying. He don't want you stealing. He don't want you cheating. He don't want you whatever it is. That's not God's will for your life. And if there's still sin there, then my hands are still on the plow. And I'm still walking with God. What are you doing? I'm being removed as far away from my past as I can get. The longer you walk with God, you're going to turn around one day. It's been 29 years for me. 29 years I've been walking with God. I'm a long way, honey, from where he brought me from so long ago. You can get so far with God that when you look back, you say, it ain't worth it for me. I don't care how much money you offer. I don't care what you're trying to tempt me with. I've come too far to turn back now. I'm almost home. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. Amen. They're spiritual. Talking about people 
that still love sin. Their spiritual fitness level is that of weakness. Our forefathers went so far to destroy lust in their heart uh, is that they would dress modestly and if they thought of television would make their eyes lust over evil things uh, they'd just throw that out of the house too. They went so far as to stay healthy spiritually and keeping the flesh crucified as to endure long fast. Uh, they'd fast one, two, three weeks at a time attend church uh, on a regular and continual basis. What were they doing? Making sure sin uh, was eradicated uh, from their life uh, on a continual basis. Uh, they went so far as their hunger and thirst for God and to be Christ-like uh, as to pray and read their Bibles uh, every single day. We could go on and on with it, but you get the point. How far are you willing to go in your part as the fit man? How far should we go? As far as it takes. Have you ever been accused of going too far with your salvation and your dedication? I can. I, I've been accused of going too. You, you going a little too far with this thing? I mean, y'all going a little overboard with it. I've been told that by my own family. Hey, I love the Lord too, but you're, you're taking this thing way too far. God's called me to be a fit man. Put your hands to the plow and don't look back. I mean, keep plowing the road till Jesus comes. That's what I'm out here doing when I'm preaching all over the countryside and on the other side of the world. My hands uh, is on the gospel plow. Yeah. How far are you planning on taking this thing till I die or till Jesus comes back? Yeah. One of the two. I don't see a place where I'm going to stop plowing in the middle of a road. Right. He's done too much for me. Right. He's been too good to me. Yeah. With my dying breath, uh, I want to be singing his praise. Yeah. With my dying breath, uh, I want to be thanking him for all that he's done for me. I faced death in, in the DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo. We got caught up in the middle of a riot, and they were shooting at us. We were in this little compound behind a metal gate, and they were trying to shoot the lock off that gate. Us preachers were in there, and we knew they were coming for us. We were the only five Americans in the city, and they were trying to break in and kill us. We just joined hands in a circle. And I knew that day. I said, there's a very real and a high risk that I'm going to die. I'm not making it back home. I'm never going to see my wife and my children again. But I said to the Lord, I'm not dying overcome or overwhelmed by fear. If I die today, and I knew there was a, a high likelihood that I was about to die at any moment, I said, I'm going to die praying and I'm going to die praising and magnifying your name. I'm not going out uh, uh, in a spirit of fear. No, sir. Little did I know that when we prayed, as we began to pray, God brought deliverance. And I'm still here to tell the story. How'd you get out? Because God answers prayer. That's how it got out. Amen. You ever been accused of going too far? And maybe sometimes that wouldn't be such a bad thing. Yeah. My mom told me. She said, I think you're getting 
a little carried away with this. You're starting to act like and remind me of your grandpa. And I said, oh, I'm on the right track. Thanks be to God. I'm on the right track. I, I was studying these, these two goats, but more so the scapegoat. And looking at the scapegoat and the fit man that was leading him away. No one type was sufficient. The Lord uh, set forth the method of the removal of sin in our text. As far as we're concerned, by the scapegoat. One of the two goats was chosen to live. It stood before the Lord. Aaron confessed all the sins of Israel upon his head. And a fit man selected for that purpose led the goat into a land, the Bible said, not inhabited. What became, here's the question, what became of the goat? How far did he have to go and when he went far enough that he turned that goat loose, what became of the goat? I want to know what happened to the goat, somebody said. It's not for you to wonder. It's not for you to ask. God said, it's none of your business. <laughs> Amen. None of your business. Is it left to perish? Uh, the wages of sin is death. Maybe so. I want to say anybody that tries to tell you what happened to the goat, it's just all speculation on their part. Because the scripture is entirely silent as to whatever happened to the goat. And silent on purpose. Because nobody is to try to go and dig up your sin. Nobody is to try to go and dig up what God has buried and put in your past. Don't go looking for the goat. It ain't none of your business where it's at or what happened to it. It's out there in, the, in no man's land and it ain't ever coming back. It's not my part to know where that goat is or what's going to become of that goat. My hands are on the gospel plow now and I'm living for God and that's all I need to know. Amen. God don't even allow us to follow the scapegoat even with our imagination. It's gone where it can never be found. There's nobody ever going to find it. It went to what God called the land not, not inhabited, into no man's land. Stop where the scripture stops. Sin is carried away into that silent land, into the unknown wilderness. The sins of God's people have gone beyond our knowing or beyond our finding out. He said, I cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you anymore. They're removed as far away from you as the east is from the west. If I went to the North Pole, I would, I would find a stopping point. If I went to the South Pole, I'd find a stopping point. I made this far north and as far south. But if you go east and say, I'm just going to go east until I hit the East Pole, you'll find yourself in a full circle. You'll never stop going east. Uh, it's just a direction you go in. 
If you were to go west, uh, you would just go west and never stop going west. It's just a direction. And God said, if you go looking for the sins uh, that I've erased, uh, eradicated, uh, and taken away from my people, you can search from now until the uh, uh, eons of, uh, uh, of time have passed. Generations are gone. You can search for eternity and you'll right. never find them. That's how far I removed them. It's not for us to know. It's not for us to find out. I know the Bible says know them that labor among you. Look, if a man's been saved in his past, he was a pedophile, he abused children, I ain't fixing to make him a youth pastor. You got me? I'm not going to put him over my children's church. But I, 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 I can't say, I can't go back into his past and just always try to dredge it back up. Right. If God forgives somebody, then I've got to let them be saved. You understand what I'm saying? God forgives somebody, I've got to let them have peace. I've got to let them know deliverance and, and let them find joy. Because the Apostle Paul said, I was the chiefest of sinners. I persecuted the church. I murdered people thinking I was doing God a service. Uh, he said, but God saved me. Yes. Made my life a pattern to all who would come after me. That God is a Savior. Yes. Amen. The Bible said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who can go back and dredge a man's past up? When God's forgiven him, hold him accountable for it. When Jesus walked up to Matthew, who said at the receipt of customs, Matthew was a tax collector, and it gouged everybody that he, that he did business with. He took more money than he should have took. I don't know anybody who wants to sign up for an audit. I don't know anybody who gets audited that feels like, well, that was a pretty fair assessment. I mean, I already paid $2,300 in, and y'all got me for $2,500 more. I, that's, I think that's pretty fair. He was the most hated man in the whole town. And Jesus walked by him at the receipt of customs. <laughs> and as he was walking by him, I think Peter was looking at him like, you sorry low-down snake just audited me and gouged me for $2,500. If he wasn't standing here, I'd wring your neck. <laughs> Don't think he wouldn't have done it because when they come to arrest Jesus, he pulled a sword out, cut a man's ear off without even thinking about it. I think Jesus looked at Peter and looked back at Matthew and said, if you want to live, you better follow me. <laughs> You want to live, boy? You better follow me because these guys right here, they're big old strong fishermen. They, they want to wring your neck. Matthew got up and left the table and followed. And here's the thing, not one of them dared ask the Lord, how you going to forgive him? How you going to save a no good, cheap, steal, public? I don't want to serve with him. Nobody dared say that to the Lord. Why? Because they knew what he had saved them from. He saved me. Why can't he save you? 
He forgive me. Why can't he forgive you? He can work a miracle of salvation in my heart and in my life. Then why not yours? I know some people that won't let God save them. Won't let God save them because I'm beyond forgiveness. I'm beyond saving. They, they want to hold on to their guilt, their shame, and their condemnation. Oh, God can never love me. Oh, get over yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They beat him so mercilessly. At the whipping post, the Bible said his visage, his appearance was more marred than any other man. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes uh, were healed. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He watched them butcher his son. Don't tell me God doesn't love the sinner. Somebody try to butcher my son, it'd be called self-defense for me to butcher them instead. I wouldn't go to prison, I wouldn't go to jail, and nobody would think any less of me, but they would call me a hero because I saved my boy's life. God delivered his son into the hands of sinful men and watched him die for the men that killed him. And when he prayed, Father, forgive them, then that's the way it is. Whosoever confesses and forsakes his sin finds mercy. I want to read to you the context of Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to close. Cursing still here, brother. She is on here to help me. So I'm, I'm closing. Luke chapter 9. Let me read it one more time. Our text was verse number 62. It says in verse 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home and at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom. Know what Jesus was saying? If there's an excuse that you can come up with that would stop you from living for God or doing God's will for your life, he said, then you're not the fit man. I'll tell you one who was. It's amazing to me that this is a book about Jesus. 
This book is simple. Everything in it's about him. He was a type of the lamb. He was a type of the bullet. He was a type of even the goat. But here's something else. He was also a type of the fit man. He was the one willing to go as far as necessary to take our sins away. Never to be remembered against us. How far are you willing to go, Lord? All the way to Calvary. All the way to the grave. All the way. As far as it takes. That's how far I'm willing to go. And the Lord just simply said, Greater love hath no man than this. He would lay down his life for his friend. So he said, I've went all the way for you. I'm the example of a fit man. He said, now it's on you. How far are you willing to go for me? Who's going to be my fit man? Lord, I got my hand on the plow. There's only so far I'm going to go now. There's a lot of things that I enjoy in life doing. I just, I'm, I'm just only willing to go so far. He said, well, you're not the man I'm looking for. I'm looking for a fit man. It's willing to go as far as it takes. Amen. I'm not the judge of anybody. I'm not to say, well, they're not going far enough. She's not going far enough. That church hasn't gone far enough. That ain't for me to judge. God's talk, when I read the Bible, that's God talking to me. God says to me, I worry about, you know, when Peter looked over at John, the Lord told him how he's going to die. He said, when you're an old man, they're going to lead you to a place where you don't want to go. He said, he was talking about the death wherewith Peter was going to die and honor the Lord. They crucified Peter. And history says that Peter felt so unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus Christ that he asked him to crucify him upside down. They crucified his wife before him made him watch her suffer in hopes that he would renounce his faith. So, oh, I can't take it no more. Take her down. I won't follow Jesus anymore. I mean, all the way up to his death, the Lord's asking Peter, how far will you go with this thing? When they was crucifying his wife in front of him, Josephus, the, the historian, said that Peter's only words to his wife was, I love you, honey. I thank you for all the years we've had. Peter's last words to his wife was remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. He did this for us. He died this same death for us. Remember him. When it come time to crucify him, he said, I ain't worthy to die like him. Crucify me upside down. That's how he died. I don't know about you, but when I read this book and the Lord says to me, how far are you willing to go? I ain't but one answer I feel worthy to give him. As far as you want me to go. How long are you going to serve me? As long as I can. With my last dying breath, I want to honor you with it, oh God. Amen. Sister Tammy, will you come help me tonight? On this guitar, you can play, sing something.
Amen. If you're able, stand with me tonight. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord tonight. Thank you for speaking to us from the scripture, oh God. I do feel like you spoke this to my heart in prayer. I had no idea, Lord, who would be here. But God, it ministered to me. And I thank you, Lord, that if it spoke to nobody else, it has spoken to my heart. How far am I willing to go? How long do I intend to serve you? God, as long as it takes. As far, oh God, as this path and journey will take me. That's just how long and how far I intend to go. I thank you, Lord God, for dealing with our heart tonight. I pray, God, you'll speak to us around this altar. That, God, you'll hear our humble cry. You'll accept our heart's plea. Oh, God, for mercy and grace and for forgiveness. God, you'll hear our heart's cry to give us the strength to keep our hand upon the gospel plow. We'll never dare look back or desire to go back. Touch us, help us, strengthen us in this altar tonight. Amen. I just want us, if you can, if you're able, amen, let's meet around this altar. Let's lift our hands toward heaven. Let's ask the Lord to give us the strength. As fit men, never to look back. Hallelujah. I want to be fit for the kingdom of God. Help us tonight, Lord.